Thanks for listening to the Say So with Jeannie podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Terry. Psalm 107.2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so and tell their story. Join me as my guests share their story of salvation and their journey to walking in everyday freedom. And the best part of it is, is that if God will do it for them, he can certainly do it for you. Enjoy today's Say So story. Hey, this is Jeannie. Thanks so much for tuning in today. While this is an episode about boundaries, my guest today shares some pretty graphic information about the events that led her up to forming her own boundaries in her own lifestyle. This particular redemption story that you will hear today is not unlike any others. They're all unique in their own right. And God just meets us where we're at in each of our own redemption stories. With that said, I know you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. It is just one of three episodes on boundaries. And I'm so thankful for my guest today who is just completely utterly transparent and is able to talk so candidly about the dark side prior to redemption and the bright side after. Enjoy. Today I have Avery Royal with me. Avery, I met at a Relate conference at her church at Bayside in uh, Sarasota, right? Sarasota? That's where Sarasota, I was. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember where I was. It was somewhere in Florida, <laughs> somewhere on the West Coast. Um, and Relate Conference is for church leaders to come and get empowered and equipped and refreshed and then go back to their home church and lead their people well. So I just wanted to say good morning, Avery. Thanks for being on the Say So Show today. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Jeannie. I'm so excited. I'm excited because I got to meet you because I selected, or maybe the Holy Spirit led me to go to your boundaries. There was a breakout session. It was called boundaries. I was like, I need that in my life because I want to control other people. I want to put boundaries on other people, but I quickly learned, and I'm kind of kidding. Um, I quickly learned that boundaries were for ourselves. Um, so I just want to first get into, uh, your, I want to let you introduce yourself. And then I want to get into, the topic of boundaries. So if you could, Avery, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Yes. So I am a daughter of the King first and foremost. Um, I am married to my husband. We'll be married nine years next month. And we have a beautiful daughter who turns six next month. Uh, she was actually born on our anniversary. Oh, so man. that is like, I love that day because it's the day like God just culminated our whole family. So it's kind of this big day of celebration, which is really cool. Um, and I've been in ministry now for, oh, 12 years, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> awesome. And uh, started fresh in college. So before I even graduated my senior year, I was hired on um, as a small group coordinator for a local church down here. It was my home church, which was really cool. And um, I'm a military spouse. My husband is uh, in the service as well. So we thank you both for your service. Thank you. Thank you for your support. And uh, so we've traveled around a little bit, but we're actually more stationary now because of the unit that he's in. Um, they're a deployable unit. So they train here and then they deploy outward. So, um, but I'm uh, serving, like you said, I uh, work for Bayside Community Church right now. I'm a care coordinator. So essentially I um, do pastoral counseling. I oversee our care mentors, which is a mental health coaching team. And I oversee our support groups. So those are, you know, groups for those dealing with recovery or addiction, dealing with, um, 
raising children with special needs. We have, you know, support groups for those walking through divorce or grief. Uh, so I get to help them and help them, you know, love on the people, not only in our church, but in our community. We're really um, about being beyond our church walls. So mm -hmm. all of our services are available hundred percent to our community, which is really awesome. So I just get to support that way. I am also currently in grad school. Yay me. Wow. For, for, and what are you studying? I am. I'm getting my master's in biblical studies. Awesome. Fascinating. Yes. The Lord led me to that several years ago. And I tried three different times, but this is when in my journey, when I was really starting to learn about boundaries and what I could and couldn't do. And I was a person who I could do everything. And I thought I could do everything at once. Okay. Like that should be allowed for me. Like I was entitled to that somehow. <laughs> That's in your wheelhouse. That's right. I was you like, have high capacity, it. high functioning, right? Right. But should we was okay. really what I learned. And what do you lose when you say yes to everything at high capacity all the time? And mm. I can remember I started classes. I was doing full-time ministry work. I was, you know, full-time mom, full-time wife, full-time grad school, which is way harder than I thought it was. <laughs> Now, is the grad school online or is that in person? Not that it really matters, but. Sure. Yeah, no, it's both. So because of COVID, you now have the option of doing online, which is neat because kids, or not kids, but students from all over, they can go to college now anywhere. Right. Thanks to technology. So that's great. Right. Yeah. Um, so I have the option of both, but yeah. Give, give us something more. What, what would people not know about you? Like off the bat, just something only Avery, maybe only one person knows. It doesn't have to be scandalous, right? But just something like, <laughs> you know, I had, I had one person say, uh, he, he proposed to his wife underwater when they were scuba diving. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. How did he not drop the ring? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I didn't even ask about the ring, but he said he held up a sign that said, will you marry me? Cause he couldn't oh. talk through the regulator, oh, I guess it's called. Precious. I love yeah. that. Um, okay. So <laughs> I was a um, competitive fisherwoman. What? Fisherwoman? Fisherman. But I like to say fisherwoman. Ooh, <laughs> tell me what. So you got like trophies and stuff? Yeah. So I was um, sponsored to kayak fish in tournaments in Louisiana. <laughs> when I lived there with my husband, we were stationed there for a long time. And I had nothing to do because we lived on this tiny Cajun island. And it was scary. And it was two miles to any type of socialization. <laughs> And there's about maybe 1200 people that live there. And so, you know, you're in the middle of the Gulf. My backyard was the Gulf of Mexico. I could open my window, dolphins. It was, it was amazing. Wow. I was like, okay. So the Lord kind of led me on this weird path to meet someone. And I started fishing and she's like, would you like to get paid to do this? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and started winning tournaments and training. And what kind of fish did you catch? Tell me. All kinds, redfish, flounder, all kinds of stuff. I mean, what's neat about where we were at Louisiana is we had saltwater, brackish water, and freshwater. So I could fish the whole, the whole thing. That is so cool. It was so much fun. Tell me your biggest catch or your, like your biggest trophy for your biggest catch. Yes. Or I, your winnings. Like, would you win like thousands of dollars? Right. <laughs> well, not thousands, but you did win things worth thousands of dollars. That okay. was really nice. Like uh, Yeti coolers and stuff. Yeti coolers <laughs> and kayaks and fishing rods that were hand, you know, made, I mean, it crafted, they were beautiful. Um, I, my biggest fish though was a bull red. So it was well, well, I can't even remember, but it was well over 22 pounds. It had to be 
Mm-hmm. Now, did your husband ever go out with you with the with oh, yeah. fishing? Yeah. Did yeah. he ever, did he ever get a trophy no. or was it like, <laughs> was it like Avery's got this, she's going to outfish all the people out here. Right. Well, I had more time than him because he was, you know, active duty. And so yeah. he was constantly working, but when he went out, he'd fish, but he never did any tournaments. Okay. Well, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. I was his biggest catch. Oh, patow. that was good. I like that. Okay. So, um, I, I do want to go back to your introduction. You said right off the bat about your care counseling and how you address mental health issues. And I think that's amazing because I think that's something we're not talking about, or we're starting to slowly start talking about where, you know, I've heard pastors say, in the past, uh, if you're a depressed Christian, that's an oxymoron. Like you should not be depressed. You should always be happy. So I feel like what you're saying is that it's okay to have feelings and there are people out there that can maybe help navigate and help navigate you with these feelings because you might have never had these feelings before. And so you have a whole team. You said that does this both within the walls of the church as well as extended community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a team of board certified mental health coaches wow. which I am as well. Um, and so we did rigorous training through the American Association of Christian Counseling. And um, it's it's been phenomenal. And truly it is. It is the bridge from mental health to the church and the statistics are outrageous. I mean, the number of people committing suicide that are believers, you know, um, let alone not, it doesn't matter. They're taking their lives. They're thinking that they have no other choice. Um, you know, the, the rise in, in abuse, the rise in addictions, the rise in depression, the rise in anxiety. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. And it, it isn't, it is amazing to me that the statistic is not moved by the fact that a person is a believer or not. And I think right there, you know, you just, you're recognizing the power that the enemy is having on this. And the more we hide behind, you know, spiritualizing mental health, which it is a spiritual component, a hundred percent, right? not only in the sense of why people are suffering, but in how people are healed. That is a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Now, whether we use, you know, um, uh, counseling or medication or have, you know, the medical component to it that doesn't, that doesn't discount God in any way, mm-hmm. you know? And so the more we hide behind it and say, oh, people should just pray more, you know, mm-hmm. or, or they should, just, well, you clearly don't read your Bible or you clearly must have sinned so bad that you are this depressed, you know, you mm-hmm. can't get past, you know, and they're, they're searching their soul and they're thinking, oh my goodness. And then they give up on their faith and then they give up on life. And, you know, so for me, um, Part of that stems from my story. So I was diagnosed severely depressed and um, with um, pretty high anxiety from a young age. I was, my mom always just told me, well, you know, you're just angry, you're aggressive. And I was going through a lot. My family went through a lot. We have a little, a lot of mental health in my family. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't so much as like, she never really like um, spiritually abused me in the sense of, Oh, you just pray more things like that. Um, but when I was older and uh, my husband and I, we miscarried our first child mm. and that sent me down a really dark path. It was just, I couldn't reconcile it in my brain. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp the grief cause you never held the child, you know, mm. and, and it was just such an ambiguous loss and it was a complicated grief. And, um, 
went really dark, really fast, became suicidal and tried to take my life. And my husband found me, thank God, a really powerful moment with the Lord there where he was, I was in this wrestle. I could feel the pool of the enemy and the pool of God and back and forth. And, and finally I heard God's voice and he just said, don't do it. You have no idea. You have no idea. Please, please don't do this. I have plans for you. I have a purpose for you. And I was just crying out, you know, I, mm. and as a Christian, it was almost, um, it, it was, I became twisted. I started using the scripture and I started, you know, using my faith. Well, if I die, if I take my life, I'm just going to heaven anyway, where my baby is. So that's, you know, that's okay. Like I rationalized it with my faith, right. Right. which which is a perversion of the enemy, you know, that yeah, was, yeah, that you was mixed, God. you mixed the worldly, your, your thoughts with, with scripture. Yeah. And the first thing my husband did when he found me was he called our, our pastor and God love him. He didn't know what to do mm. and they never talked to us about it and they never checked in on us. And that was my first burnout. That was the beginning of my first burnout that I ever had. And it was mental health driven and it was, um, it was a long season of coming back to that and amazing story from that. Um, so I had lost the baby six months prior to that, <clears throat> tried to take my life four weeks later. I found out I was already eight weeks pregnant with my now daughter. I'm just floored. Wow. So you would have taken your boat to both of you out. Yeah. Yeah. How can I ask you, what did, what did that look like? How did you try to take yourself out? Uh, well, okay. So that doesn't happen like that. Suicide is not typically right. Okay. Let's not put it in a box because it's for various for different people. Um, but it doesn't just start one day. You're just like, I'm just going to kill myself. Um, a lot of people like myself, you know, we have, uh, pride and self-dignity. So for me, it wasn't, Oh, I could never be that person. Right. Mm -hmm. So eventually it was, I'm going to start risky behaviors. I'm going to run red lights. Oh, I'm thinking, just hoping oh, that okay. I'll get into an accident. But then I was like, oh man, I could kill somebody. Then I'd be alive and they'd be dead. And then I'd be a murderer and not get the result I wanted. So then I thought, well, I'll just drive my car into like a telephone pole or something, mm. you know, which is real fast. I could just do it. It'd be done. I'll take off my seatbelt. And, you know, then I thought, well, with my luck, <laughs> I'd end up paralyzed from the neck down. And then just have to live mm. with all that I did for the rest of my life. So it's like, well, that's not going to work. Right. And then it's, and so this is over, you know, six months of time. I'm grieving this. I'm, I'm in this dark place. And because I knew mental health, because I'd struggled my whole life. I mean, I was in counseling, but nobody saw this. You can mm. hide this really easily. Pain is, is getting easier to hide. The world is letting us hide this more. The church is forcing us into darkness with this. It's easy to put on a mask. We make it way too easy because we don't talk about it because we're not comfortable with it. And we don't ask those questions about people. If somebody had straight up asked me, I think I would have said it eventually, mm -hmm. but then there's a trust factor that we don't have in our believing world right now. And so, you know, there's that, but in, so then eventually it worked up to, well, I could, I could try to overdose, but then I was like, no, you know, then I just get sick and they pump my stomach and that's really gross. Right, I mean, it was right. like, you, you would think this sounds weird to me, but it wasn't, it was very rational, you know, right. and that's where your mind is that that's how your neurons are working at that time. And then, so eventually, you know, with enough research, you're like, well, I, and my husband, he's, um, you know, in the military. And so he has, he's a firearms instructor and he's a law enforcement officer in the military. So I was like, well, I definitely could not ruin that for him. 
if mm. I used a firearm, that would ruin that for him. As if his wife dying wasn't going to be ruining enough. Right. right. You were worried but about his job. His yeah, but that's how irrational, <laughs> but yet rational it was to me. And then so eventually I decided I was going to slip my wrists, you know, um, from top to bottom because that's, you know, within seconds. And I was like, well, and I, even in the process of saying, okay, I better get in the shower. That, that way there's less cleanup for my husband. I mean, I can mm. remember thinking all this. Yeah just so this is very normal. And this is what I'm going to do because I can't handle this anymore. And I want to be with my baby and I just want to let this go. And I don't want to feel this pain anymore. And I want to relieve my husband of this. You know, he doesn't need to be married to this anymore. This is not his life. He'll he'll go on. He'll be fine. Mm. But eventually at that point, when it came down to it, I mean, it was just a breaking of my spirit and just this battle, this spiritual battle that was taking place right there in my bathroom, you know, Mm. as I'm preparing to take my life and praise God, my husband came in and praise God. He, you know, he, he did the steps required to get me Mm. home. So you're saying that your pastor didn't know how to help, didn't check up on you. Did you go into mental health counseling or were you already in it? So I was already in counseling. So Mm -hmm. I went into just a deeper level of counseling, a trauma-based counselor. So we have lots of levels of counseling. And that's one thing we don't know either as a faith community is that you could have life coaching. You could have mental health coaching. You could have family and marriage counseling. You could have trauma-based counseling, crisis counseling. And so depending on where you're at, you've got to go to the right one, not only that you connect with, but one that's trained. So yeah, from there, I went into a series of counseling and medications, things like that. Um, And with now, when I found out I was pregnant for me, what a gift that was, because it was a resurgence in a way of, I have something to live for. Mm. I have something bigger than myself and I'm going to have to get myself up off the floor. And so, although it was a battle, I had severe anxiety attacks and panic attacks and, um, struggled significantly with self-worth and identity. Um, I could, the church wasn't helping me, but the mental health field was, and I was grateful for that. So for me, when going back to what you started, that's why I want mental health in the church. So when we, it has to be there though. It's, it's not like, it's almost, we can't want it anymore. Right. It just has to be there. It's gotta be a given like a staple, like, Oh, you're going to do an altar call. Well, you better also have mental health. You're going to take up an offering. Uh, You better offer mental health. Like it's not, it's not optional anymore. Right. Exactly. That's good. So as I said, I, uh, we met at a boundaries, um, well, breakout sex- session, so to speak. And I walked in late. Sorry for that. <laughs> I didn't even notice. That's okay. <laughs> um, and there was Avery at the front. I didn't know Avery at the time. And she just had this bubbly outgoing personality. You were funny, you were lighthearted, but you were talking about such a important topic that I think a lot of people don't even know exists. So, and I remember you had questionnaires on the table and you're supposed to check or, you know, check the boxes that apply to you. And I checked almost off almost everyone. And, and you were like, oh, well, don't worry. If, if you checked off a lot, there was one person in here that checked them all off. Like, it's okay. You know, it, it doesn't mean that everything's hopeless if you check off a bunch of boxes, but the boxes represented that you were probably doing too much, not sending, setting enough boundaries and in burnout are on your way to it. So if you could talk to me about why you even had a boundaries class as a breakout session there and why boundaries are so important, where did they come from? I want to know all the history. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so at our church, I've been teaching on boundaries now for about, oh my gosh, almost four years now. And, um, it just, it just keeps being a request. So I think people are recognizing, um, that it's real. A lot of times we just call it exhaustion, you know, for burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, we just, you know, I've lost my love for that. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, I just, I've lost control of this or, you know, clearly this isn't what God wants for me, you know? And it's like, mm, no, that's not true. <laughs> you know, let's really look at it. And, you know, what we, we would talk a lot about, you know, get rest and, 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 you know, play with your family and have fun and just these general things, but we really wouldn't unpack boundaries and we wouldn't unpack burnout, which go hand in hand, um, in the church. And so we did that. And that's what that checklist is for is I always start my classes to help people identify where they're at. And it's, it's shocking. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really shocking. Um, we had a lot of people who had a lot of comments about that and, and they were concerned. They were like, what does this mean for me? You know? Right. And, um, and, and like you said, it's not, it's not a hopeless situation. It's an evaluation and we can't move forward until we know where we're at or where we've been. That's and good. so that's really important for us to have our eyes open. And I believe that when we do that, something happens and the Lord allows, he leverages that open eyes to begin to speak and have influence into where we're at. And then Holy Spirit just starts doing his thing. And he starts, you know, showing you what's good, what's right, what's wrong, what's healthy and boundaries. You know, there's so many people that are teaching on boundaries. Dr. Henry Cloud's like the number one boundaries dude in the world. He's got phenomenal work. He's got a boundaries book for like marriage and dating and all, I mean, like everything. Right. Um, and I love his stuff. However, I don't use it in my class. Um, because what I, what I don't find from Dr. Cloud, even though I, I love it and I, and I give that book out like regularly, mm -hmm. um, is I don't find this, this core piece that I talk about, which is our identity, because essentially what can end up happening if you take a clinical approach only to boundaries, you kind of become this like marionette puppeteer okay. and you're trying to keep a boundary here and hold a boundary there. And you're doing this and you're doing that. And a lot of times we're taught to create boundaries, to stay safe, to stay in control or to stay admired, if you would, or like appreciated or valued, okay. right? I'll do this and they'll like me. If I do this, I'll keep control. If I do this, we won't get hurt. But how many times can you do that with all the variations of your, you know, elements of your life, your children, your spouse, your work, your health, your neighbors? I mean, it's just like, oh my goodness, it's this game. And it's so like a balance, me, balance yeah. of ba ba boundary balance, maybe. Right. And then different seasons require different balances. So then when a new season comes around, you're having to flip your whole world around, okay. change all the things. And so for me, it was this core piece. What can I go back to? What is the one thing that's going to keep me centered that keeps my rhythm of life going, no matter if it's fast or slow as a parent, as an empty nester, whatever, what is it? What a great question to ask ourselves. What is the one thing that's going to keep us centered? We do have to stop here today, but don't forget there's episodes two and three of this three-part boundary series. Thanks for listening to today's Say So Story. I hope you enjoyed listening, but I pray you take it one step further. James 1, 22 to 25 encourages us to look at our freedom and not become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer 
and we will be blessed in what we do. If you want to be blessed, and I believe you do, then do something with what you have just heard. Do something with God's word today. Write it down, memorize it, and speak it over you and your situation relentlessly. Go from just merely hearing about walking in freedom to actively walking in your very own freedom today. You can do this. Let's keep this conversation going on Instagram and on Facebook by using the hashtag say so. Let's connect on Instagram at Jeannie Terry official and on Facebook at say so with Jeannie until next time, friends be blessed and be a blessing.